You know what? Let's go with it. <laughs> oh, what a this show so far already. Sunday night. So glad we bought all that I'd new watch stuff. The practice with <laughs> none of my friends. I turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Barney. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. We're clearly only doing this in mono. We're getting one channel. idea what Keith just said. Out of practice. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, maybe. <laughs> we are working our way through David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week we are up to season four, episode three, Losers Keepers. It is episode 63 of Out of Practice. We have some new tech that we thought was going to make it smoother and better, a better listening experience, but no, it is now much, much worse <laughs> as we're trying to make this go. Yeah, first is the worst, second is the best, and sixth, who knows, that's about where we are in restarting this episode, but uh, hey, we're here, <laughs> there's nowhere else to go, <laughs> nothing else to do, so let's just get her done. Oh my god, there is no hope in the world, I think... I think I bought a multiple mono splitter mm. as opposed to a stereo. So we were only hearing, I think, either the left or the right channel of the theme song there. So if you ever wanted to know, what does half of the theme song sound like? Well, you just got it, kids. All right. So how's it going? We are in, uh, what, week six of the apocalypse? How's life? Once again, Tale of Two Worlds. So yesterday was beautiful, just an absolutely stunning day here in New York. And I hadn't been outside in a few days, so I was like, I'm going for a run. So I got up early. I went out, and I ran six miles down this like back roads by the Con Ed plant and way up. And there was nobody outside yet, and so I just had this amazing run and I didn't have to have my little mask on because there was nobody around and wow. I, it just felt like the normal times and I was feeling I was on a high I was feeling great I got back and my wife a few hours later now we're about one two o'clock in the afternoon she's like let's go for a walk Keith we walked outside thousands of people thousands of people we had to go back inside you you could not safely walk that's how crowded it was down here. That's crazy. Crazy town. And so, okay, whatever. I mean, like, on one hand, I you can't fault people for wanting to go outside. I mean, I no. get it. But it, it just doesn't seem like, it seems like people are, there's a false sense of this is over. 
Oh. And so that's a little disheartening. Anyway, wake up today. It's pouring rain. It's cold outside. And all of the misery and anxiety is back. So. Oh, hooray. There you have it. How's Cape May, New Jersey? You know, it's doing, uh, hanging in. Hanging in, actually. Um, we're sort of following into a rhythm. There's uh, obviously a lot fewer people here, which is nice. So we're able to go for walks and runs and bike rides. And there are people out, apparently, in Cape May. The, there's only one essential thing during the apocalypse, and that is landscaping. Oh, interesting. Not the beach. No, well, no, the beaches are closed. But it is full-time landscapers everywhere you go. And we I'm always like laughing at them because there's got to be some sort of a rule here that if any of your grass touches any of your sidewalk, you will be murdered. So uh, it looks beautiful here for the zero people who are here. I heard two rumors. Okay. That maybe you can shine some light on. Rumor number one is that you made a brief appearance in the New York City area. I did. I did. We snuck in uh, in the dead of the afternoon and uh, rescued my piano and our plants, some of our plants, uh, the ones we could fit in the car. Uh, so we hopped into the city and in and out in like an hour and a half. Uh, the other rumor, I completely forget what I was going to say, so I'm going to... <laughs> I'm going to go a different route and ask you because I've been curious for no reason because it's none of my business. But okay, are you? Do your in-laws live there, or are you guys getting a? Is the is the Cape May house just a bunker, a second home that you guys are using, uh, just for yourselves? Uh, yeah, no, we are uh, the in-laws. This is their second home. Uh, my my parents-in-law, and they're in Philadelphia in their primary home. Okay, and uh. Myself, Jillian, and Eric and Elise are uh, my brother and sister-in-law. So the four of us are here alone in the house. And so we're obviously trying to segregate generations. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just, it's the four of us in the house. That sounds kind of awesome. Yeah, it it, it really is. Like, we get to play a lot of our nonsense. It's, It's funny being here so long that you have to start, like, taking a little bit of space in the home. You take a little ownership and it's like, okay, I guess we can take down the Easter decorations, even though. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of like, yeah, all right, we're going to, you know what? We're going to rearrange the dishes how we need to have the dishes. And uh, what will be interesting is that when we finally are able to go back is we're going to have to restore the house to its previous uh, place because we move desks, move chairs, move stuff all over. The- so I don't know. It'll be uh, it- it'll be interesting. We'll get there when we get there, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's the sort of the thing I've been wrestling with is that I understand the leadership of states and even to a national degree that we have to sort of you know keep moving the goalpost. It's not going to do anything positive for the collective psyche to just say, "Hey, look." Shit is going to be shitty well through the fall, so we're locking everything down until next February. Right. So what they're doing, you know, they're giving these random dates like, oh, May sometime, and then they push that till June, July. Nope. I, I understand the reasoning behind that. Yeah. Where I start to get worried is on two levels. Level one is that all is predicated on the hope slash uh, need for someone behind the scenes to actually be making those preparations 
right? <laughs> right, right. Even though they're pushing the goalpost and not just buying that going along with it. And two, individuals like you are a great example. What is your barometer for what is normal enough that I can return to my home and start to re-inhabit my previous life? Because well, yeah. no, there is no normal coming for quite a while. No, no. I you know We haven't really put together a specific plan yet. Um, you know, because of our lives, it doesn't make a great deal of sense to come back until we get a sense of the Broadway schedule mm -hmm. and the theater schedule, because uh, everybody here, their job is theater. And if there's no theater going on in New York, there's no auditions going on um, for stuff out of town. There's not much point. Mm hmm to being there um, when we have the option to be here in our like swankier, nicer place that <laughs> the parents can afford and the kids can't. Right. Totally. Um, but I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Um, I mean, are we going to be here to September? I don't know. Are we going to give up and come back in June? Is that going to be predicated on, you know, antibody testings and this, that, and the other thing? I don't know. Yeah, and all those tests, you know, and then it's it's getting scarier now with these reports, and I don't want to spread misinformation, so I'll keep it very top, like, top oh, level. Oh, we've never spread any information. All we've ever spread is misinformation. That's fair. But, you know, it used to be these upper respiratory issues is what we were worrying about, and now we're getting a lot of this data showing that people, especially in our age bracket and males, yeah, are having yeah. these clotting issues and strokes, and it's, the hits keep on coming. They sure do. They sure do. Well, on that happy note, we have an awful lot to get through today. It is going to be a jam-packed, exciting episode, starting with... Okay, let me talk about... All of the people who have reached out to us this week because nobody has anything better to do. Starting with our new friend Jorge Navoa, who said, Hi there, I'm a new listener going back and forth between old episodes while eagerly anticipating the latest ones. Do you ever have discussions here on Facebook or is Reddit better for that? I have two things I wanted to bring up. It's a good question. We should, uh, I don't think we have enough Reddit cred to start a subreddit for... Yeah, we've tried. <laughs> uh, but absolutely, if, if people want to discuss things, they can do it on the, the Facebook page. Or uh, if you happen to be avid in Reddit with enough Reddit karma to start a new sub subreddit, feel free to take the reins and create an out-of-practice podcast subreddit. We give you full permission to do so. Oh, yeah. No, that would be great, too. Um, all right. So he can. he says... Spoiler for Season 4, Episode 2, Boston Confidential, which, if you're listening to this, you should have listened to last week. So he says, number one, as to the question of the human body in the trunk not being admissible as evidence, there's an expression that was used, fruit of the poisonous tree. Since I'm not a lawyer, but rather a fellow legal show geek, here's the definition from Wikipedia. Oh my god, he's the better podcast! Woo! So we obviously know it as 100%, yeah. <laughs> Uh, fruit, fruit of a poisonous tree is a legal metaphor used to describe evidence that is obtained illegally. The logic of the terminology is that the, 
that if the source, the tree of the evidence or evidence itself is tainted, then anything gained from the fruit, i.e. the fruit, from it is tainted as well. Based on this, I gathered they can only use evidence independent from the confession and what was found in the trunk, as they ultimately did. If in the case of the nun in the closet, the knife used to kill her had been in the same closet as it had been in the 90s boy bands, as it had 90s boy band fingerprints, it would not be admissible. However, if said fictional knife, as opposed to the fictional case, had been found elsewhere, say in the office desk by a noisy secretary, then that would be independent evidence that could be used to put him in jail. <clears throat> Though I suppose it might be hard to pr prove that what's killed her without the body as evidence. A better podcast listener would go down a rabbit hole, but I have another thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, you are the better podcast listener. That you makes are. perfect sense. Uh, and is uh, very helpful. Now, here's the other part which I loved. He he says, It seems you Broadway geeks might not have been big Disney fans because that score seemed to be a big ripoff from one of the most underrated songs. In fact, it was deleted from the movie but used as a score and end credits. And uh, he points out that in the pod in our podcast... It starts at 1 hour, 14 minutes, and 15 seconds. Exactly 90 seconds later comes my beautiful rendition of Food is Coming to You, colon, <laughs> the mac and cheese song. <laughs> Soon to be released. Uh, I think it went something like this. Food is coming to you. It is mac and cheese. Or something along that effect. But he sent along this, which is a cut track from Pocahontas. Oh my god, it worked! Food is coming to you. Yeah. If I, never knew you, I never knew this was from Pocahontas, actually. Well, it was cut. And this, if you're counting, is Mel Gibson singing. Indeed, and so it's actually a duet with uh, Judy Coon, who sang Pocahontas, who uh, definitely, today, looking back on it, Judy Coon is not of Native American descent. You know, the lyrics there sound like something Vogelman would be saying to Eleanor as she walked oh. away from their, their dinner and turned him down for, what, the 12th time? Indeed. Oh, I have been corrected. Wait, hold on. We have a... Uh... Something about our wives live objecting the episode is both <laughs> comforting true. and uh, disturbing. We're getting live objections. We got a live objection from Jillian who reminded me it's not Judy Kuhn, it's Judy Kuhn. Oh, oh, uh, oh, wow, a pronunciation objection. A pronunciation objection, and especially because I'm about to launch into a Judy Kuhn story. Okay, well, in three, two, one. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to get counted into a story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why I did that. So, uh, so Jillian, a uh, couple years ago, did um, a show with Judy. And as they were leaving, we sort of we all had dinner together, whatever. And at at the end of it, she's like, "I've got a whole bunch of food left over. 
uh, because they were leaving. It was in Cape Cod. Do you want our extra food? So we're like, yeah, we'll take your food. And so we have been using Judy Kuhn's peanut butter uh, to trap and rehome mice in our apartment. So we uh, we literally have been putting her peanut butter, her Tony Award nominated peanut butter, into uh, the live traps for us to rehome the mice that come into our house. Well, this brings up a mystery. Here's, here's her singing. I felt bad. Would she be singing about chunky peanut butter or creamy peanut butter? Oh, she would be singing about organic chunky peanut butter. So, you heard it here uh, first, folks. Yeah. If you ever wanted to know what the, the voice of Pocahontas eats with her peanut butter. So uh, Jorge hit the nail on the head there. The boiling it down, he's right. That is he very... Is a thousand percent right. Uh, really, really good catch. Uh, much appreciated. All right. So, uh, yeah, thanks for reaching out. I'm glad to... Uh, gl- we're glad to have you as a listener. Well done. We have also heard from our old friend Scott Maupin, who uh, complimented our new art. He said, love the new art. Well done, guys. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> Jaden's Dream uh, pointed out on our Instagram. Now, if you don't know, and you should be following us on Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast, every week when I announce that we have dropped the episode, I hope put a whole bunch of screenshots from that episode for you to get context, although you should be watching on a licensed streaming service. Uh, and I had back-to-back pictures of the dead lady in the trunk and then Bobby and Lindsay uh, in coitus, let's say. And he said, in picture three, it looks like Bobby's trying not to finish too soon by creating visuals in his head in from picture two. Which, uh, yeah, fair enough. Which fair was enough picture two? The la- dead lady in the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> he was, no, no, no. I don't think he was going, yeah. He was saying, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bobby was saying no, but I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. I, we've never been on the rails today, but we are now thoroughly off the rails. All right. Well, we continue. Uh, our friend Leanne writes, writes, have you, uh, our, Founding sponsor, Leanne writes, writes, have you guys seen Boston Public? Had to reach out to my David E. Kelly aficionados before diving into four seasons of the show. Good you did. Good you did. Uh, Because I have seen it, and it's very enjoyable. However, it is a continuation of the practice story. So do not hop into that if you do not want spoilers from the end of the practice. Uh, Yeah. Do we have more filings and subpoenas before I... Yeah, we do. Okay, you keep going. Afterwards, I do have an objection I'd like to roll. I remember Okay, now. okay, good. <laughs> to everything we've done so far today. <laughs> uh, we heard from good friend, old friend, Cloud Lover 69 Hey, welcome back! I didn't we know have he not... wrote this week. He wrote this week, and he wrote on Instagram after we had... Uh, I think it was Leanne was equating the sports ball segment with the weather segment, i.e. you do something I hate, so I in turn do something you hate. But 
He said, I wouldn't equate the weather segment to the sports ball segment. Weather is one of the most requested features of the show. I don't remember why sports ball segment exists. <laughs> fair, to, be, to be fair, the weather segment is the only segment that has been requested. <laughs> it just happened to be by a fake user account someone made. But, you know, regardless. Well, it's it's not necessarily untrue, uh, but I personally put the sports ball segment in there. I, I'll tell you why it exists. To bother Mike and Deglio and to bother Tom Brady and possibly any other aliases. <laughs> Fair. So uh, when you're listening to it and you're like, is this here just to antagonize me? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, all right, so you have an objection. Objection! Objection! So, my wife, who has been an avid listener over the past few weeks, and... Oh, did you remember what your problem with her was? Yes, she's been an avid listener and a fan, and we appreciate that. We appreciate her her patronage, her her listenership. We appreciate it all. In fact... She was going to live intern for us last week and then decided not to do it. And then when she found Wise. out last week we, the jelly came up again, she was pissed because she was like, oh, I wanted to watch that with you guys. And I said, well, you had the opportunity. That's so true. she also spent this week complimenting all of our new fans and how we have really passionate fans. And I said, yeah, well, to find yourself on this podcast, you need to really be passionate. No, I have an objection with the terminology because I think fan is probably the wrong word. I'd say listener. They okay. listen. I, I think, you know, assuming that they're fans is perhaps bolder than we deserve. Yeah, you're right. We were parsing syntax there. So um, anyway, all that said, right? So Jen's into it. She listened to the, She listens to it while she cooks. She was listening to the podcast when she went on a walk. I mean, she's in. So we're on a Zoom call with my in-laws uh, a few nights ago, and you know I have this screen behind me and this microphone, and so my brother-in-law says, what, what are you guys, making a podcast? And Jen goes, actually, Mike has a podcast. And he goes, oh, really? I love podcasts. What is the podcast? And Keith, boy, did she hem and haw. <laughs> she oh, could have no. just been like, oh, it's about the practice. You should check it out. It's called Out of Practice Podcast. No, no, no. She's like, well. You know, it's probably it's very niche. It's uh, she she went out of her way to basically poo poo the podcast, and so in I I object. Oh, 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 oh. yeah. Well, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Fair enough. Look, we are a very niche podcast for a very niche type of people. And I understand if our listeners don't necessarily want to be associated with us. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Okay. We have gotten through the filings and subpoenas and it is time finally to hop back into the time machine Back to October 10th, 1999. It was a Sunday night, and it leaves us with the question, what were you doing? This day in the basement. I was at Ithaca College, Keith, in my very brief stint there. And I was attending one of the few classes I attended. And if I only had that time machine, because I would love to go back and take this class as me now, because yeah. I would have paid a lot more attention, but it was a fascinating class taught by Dr. Peter Rothbart. 
and we were exploring atonal and industrial music, music in hard quotes, uh, from the early 60s through the mid-70s, like the the Moog movement and sine waves sure. and synthesizers. And he also, I was also my first foray into learning how to use reel-to-reel tape and to splice and to like create interesting effects with spliced reel-to-reel tape. Hey, uh, and, and why is that? Because we old. Yeah, we old. Anyway, I, uh, it's one of these times in life where you're, you just wish you could go back and be you now. Yeah. You know, we discussed how that would be kind of pervy to do that for high school, but college, ooh, if I could go back to college as me now, I would have learned so much I more. I wish I could go back to college. So uh, a shout out to Dr. Peter Rothbart. I'm sorry I was such an asshole in your class and paid so little attention. I wish I could redo that, but uh, thank you for the little bit of knowledge you dropped on me. And uh, yeah, so things were still going well at Ithaca. That will end soon. Okay. Yeah. Well, you you teed up something last week. I'm really excited to hear about. But uh, I guess we'll get it next week. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> you getting arrested? Oh yeah, yeah. That's not yet. All right. All right. Next week. Yes. Well. Uh, meanwhile, out in Rochester, I was uh, you know beginning my first dating experience in college with any sort of level of seriousness and i was uh navigating being in different sections of the dorm because at eastman there's only one dorm but it's sort of broken into subdivisions so you're sort of bunkered in uh it's almost like they're um like those seawalls that come in where it blocks off a section of dorm, so you can't just walk through every single hallway. You're and you're like in D section or C section, like cell blocks. And so I was, uh, I think I was in C. I was on three C, and she was in two uh, B or something in that ballpark. So navigating how to work our way through that, the problem was, I did not have a. We didn't have cell phones. So I couldn't text and say, like, hey, can I come over or whatever? What's going on? And we had, like, house phones, but I don't think we ever did it. So it was a very awkward beginning of dating because it was sort of like, I just wait to see her at work. And I'll be like, hey, could you clean that slop off that plate? And meanwhile, do you want to go make out later? It was uh, it was, it was a pretty hot, you know, <laughs> music conservatory action happening. <laughs> <laughs> There's a strange corner of the internet, Keith, that's very interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, uh, definitely Jen would not steer you in that direction. Keith, what was playing on the PA speaker in the mess hall while you guys were grossly making out behind the scenes? Well, I'll tell you. It was another return of our... Oh, a bad recording of Heartbreaker. Mariah Carey featuring Jay-Z continued to blare. Apparently right now, playing off of a broken speaker on the back of a bus going to like San Juan. It was, uh, didn't sound good. But then again, that's probably the best place for our podcast. That's fair. All right. So here we are on October 10th, 1999. We were continuing to go see Double Jeopardy. The Tommy Lee Jones and Ashley Judd movie in its third week of dominance. And the local paper, the Boynton Free Press, this is interesting, 
The headline was Vermont Court at Center Stage. And what was happening was the Vermont Supreme Court was having hearings on the civil unions law in Vermont, which would be the first uh, foray into a state allowing gay marriage, or in this in this case, it was civil unions, but it would be the first state ever to extend uh, similar rights to same-sex couples. And these hearings are special to me and my family because my grandparents and my grandparents' best friends, Yaya and Papu, and their church testified in these hearings on behalf supporting gay marriage and supporting the civil unions bill. So it is uh, it is definitely a point of pride. Obviously, it was a, a step in the right direction and in no way acceptable as the end result. But it was a uh, it was a big victory on the pathway to uh, legalize gay marriage. So I'm I'm proud to say that my family worked very hard in support of that. Hear, hear. Hear, hear. All right. And now that we've done something uh, something noble and honorable, it's time for Sports Ball! The Giants were sadly defeated by Jake Plummer and the Arizona Cardinals in front of only 49,000 fans at Sun Devil Stadium. Kerry Collins got his first start as a Giants. The Philadelphia Eagles won their first game of the season, beating the undefeated Cowboys 13-10 at Veterans Stadium. A 28-yard touchdown from Doug Peterson to Charles Johnson sealed the upset victory. Veterans Stadium was terrible. Oh, it was a very sad, scary place. Not no, scary. It was just very, it wasn't cool. They put in a court. To adjudicate all of the drunken assaults, they killed Santa Claus. They threw ice balls at Santa he Claus. He had it coming. <laughs> all right, let's finally talk about the damn episode. Nope. This was written. This was a. Nope. Oh, Jesus. All right, here we go. It's even better oh, it's, in mono. <laughs> it's so haunted. <laughs> This is a nightmare. Am I singing from like a tub or something? What is happening over there? <laughs> what a nightmare. Sort of ruins the joke. You can't even hear <laughs> Keith in Queens, oh. even though it was October, it was 65 degrees, but rainy. And believe it or not, over there in Ithaca, where it was always cold and rainy, it was warm and rainy. 67 degrees with a heavy and consistent rain with a low of 50s into the evening, just like the sound of this podcast this week. Cold and rainy. Cold and rainy, depressing, confusing, and unprofessional. Now, before we hop into the next episode, we have another important event. Tell me the weather that's growing on your head. Oh, man. <laughs> Is it breezy above your ears? Are you cold in that weird streaks behind your neck? <laughs> Tell me the weather that's growing on your head. Well, we've had a little bit of growth. Jen continues to tell me it looks okay. And She's lying to you. Yes, and I actually went public with it this week for the first time. I went for that run yesterday, and I kept—I took my hat off, and I let the people see. 
<laughs> you went loud and proud. And I have to be honest, a few people crossed the street. I don't know if that was a social distancing tactic or if they just <laughs> decided I was clearly insane because of what I had done to my own head. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, that was... Uh... All right, well, we're glad to see that you are recovering from the eternal nightmare that is what you've done to your head. <laughs> oh, the back. Maybe I'll I'll allow the people to see via Instagram what I've done. I think it's oh, only we, fair. We all should see that. It's as as a warning. You know, like they show you those health videos of like car crashes when you're in high school to, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you don't drink and drive. Yep. This uh this should be don't uh, apocalypse and cut your hair. All right. So this finally, we can talk about the episode 45 minutes, 45 minutes and 17 restarts into the process. This episode entitled Losers Keepers is written by David E. Kelly and Christopher Mack, who also wrote on Sheena, ER and the Twilight Zone. Uh, Christopher Mack was a story editor on the practice starting this season. And it was directed by cinematographer Dennis Smith who last directed Crossfire and Swearing In. So, uh, a lot going on. This is uh, this is going to be an episode, and I really want to know. This sounds terrible. You're going to have to do these yourself. I, I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> wait, wait. You know what? I have a better idea. You just I'll listen just, to them through your phone. I'm going to play it on speaker. Yeah. So much better. What is that supposed to be? What's your problem? That's pretty good, is this actually. What happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Now, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then well, what Keith, I first thing I think is gonna happen is a lot of people fast forwarding that, hitting that 15 second fast forward button a lot this episode. <laughs> <clears throat> I, uh, the previously on this week, discusses uh, Lindsay getting stabbed at the season finale last year, also her and Bobby getting engaged, and then finally the discussion between Lindsay, Eleanor, and Helen about the new roommate situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also see here in the credits that Michael Monks makes a return this week, so my guess as to what we're going to witness, keepers finders or losers keepers? Losers keepers. I think in a perfect world, here's what I'd like to see happen. Monks is back. Vogelman has to be defended again for some reason. Ooh. And this will pit Eleanor against her new roommate, Helen, in the court. And somehow, George Vogelman, a.k.a. the nun killer, a.k.a. the attacker of Lindsay is killed this week. Michael Monks concludes his appearance on the practice by being killed by somebody. Whoa. Whoa. That is a bold... Do you have anything to base that on, or are you just, like, winging it? I just want this to be over, so... I'm ready for someone to just kill this son of a bitch, because they've backed themselves into a corner. He's either a criminal mastermind who can never be caught, or we have to end it. Well, I really appreciate you using Michael Monks' name directly as opposed to his character name when you say, I want to kill the bastard. 
Uh, the lines are so blurred anymore. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's air a commercial we haven't earned. Season four, episode three. Losers, keepers. What's gonna happen? Oh, we start with Lucy coming into work early. Thank God somebody does. She's stepping on a manila envelope on the floor. She's wearing those chunky 90s shoes, sandals, that my girlfriend wore all the time. And it's a picture of a nun holding up today's paper. Oh, no. She's looking for something frantically in the drawer. A, a magnifying glass. Oh, my God. She's Nancy Drusy. Oh, shit. Someone's come. Oh, God. The music tells me she's about to get attacked. There's someone behind her. Look out! Lucy turn. It's Bobby. I can tell by his frumpy hair in the shadow. <laughs> his beatnik hair? Excuse me. Sorry. Not the Bobby, time for a this. comedic beat. It's a nun holding the Boston Herald with yesterday's date. What? Look. He's still out there. The nun that stabbed Lindsay, he's not dead. Bobby, do you see that? That's yesterday's date. Calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. Why is he doing this? What is this, some kind of threat? Bobby's checking the what are you door. Doing? Check the background. You'll see that lamp on Jimmy's desk. That picture was taken here. What? He knows how to get in. That's great. He's alive. With his own key. Oh, snap! The episode already experimented with about three different tones there. <laughs> we had a weird, like, jump scare that was played as a comedic beat, but also that weird sort of tension-building thriller vibe. Right, right. I'm excited. Like, I'm excited to continue the George Vogelman story. Like, we, we have to get this, you know, we, we have to know what's going to happen here. Oh, yeah, well, that its storyline intersects with so many of the other things happening. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. I think things are going to happen. I think he's going to die. That is that is a really bold guess, dude. Dusting fingerprints. The police are... Oh, Ray Brutzo is here. This doesn't exactly fit a copycat profile. It fits Joey Herrick's profile. He would love to taunt us this way. You blame Joey Herrick for everything. How would he get a key? Isn't it possible the lock was picked? Doesn't look like it. Are you telling me that the guy who stabbed me might still be out there? Never mind out there, Lindsay. How about in here? Okay, let's not panic. That's easy for you to say. You're not the one he's after. It's got to be connected to that nun killer case. What else could it be? I don't know, Jimmy, seeing that it's a picture of a nun. It doesn't seem like that's uh, too crazy a prediction. No, it seems like a fair fair bet. Six months. Rebecca... I got a serve? Ronnie. But she darted out in front of me. I wasn't even speed. The problem is you fled the scene. But then I turned myself in. Doesn't that count for something? No. If you want to try it, we can try it. I'm ready. The prosecution's ready. But if we lose at trial, you could get two to three years. My recommendation is we take the deal. All right. All right, let's do. 
Boston accent. Oh God, just keeps playing this through his phone. It's making me laugh. This is a nightmare. This is my <laughs> liter. This is my literal nightmare. Ugh, I want to kill myself right now. Well, who is it, Keith? Let's get to the important part. Okay, this is Stephen Kozlowski, who actually is from Boston. He, you would see him in Goodwill Hunting, Collateral Holes, and thirteen. Uh, sadly, he died at the age of thirty in two thousand and seven. But he actually has a genuine Boston accent. I really think it's the same guy. This firm has had a lot of high-profile cases Ray where you put murderers back. back on the street. The highest-profile being that nun case. Also, Lindsay's attack got a lot of media Nick attention. Bobby looks like he I got a little bit of a turn wasn't up. A copycat. I said it didn't fit the profile. It could be someone that hates this firm they and is using the nun motif. Years later. Well, dramatic effect. So what you're saying is, you don't have a clue. So what's going to be done? We'll investigate, Bobby. But we don't even have a death threat here. I won't lie and say you'll get tremendously high priority. Great. Changing the Man. locks would be a good place to start. You're moving in with me tonight. Do you still have your gun? Unless he took it. No, I've got it. There's some psycho targeting us, Jimmy. And you think a gun's going to be the answer? Well, maybe not. But if it is, I want it to be in my hand. I'd say this that guy is already winning. Pretty aggressive, kind of, Eleanor. Yeah. I, and out of character. Three zero five zero one Commonwealth versus Ronald Vega, reckless driving, leaving the scene of an accident. Ooh, Another fan. police conspiracy, counselor. No, Your Honor. Your Honor, we've reached. Oh, it's that same judge who she did that great monologue with last it. time. Yes, it is Judge Swackheim, played by Paul Dooley. I'm sorry, the agreement is off. Oh, what? Pulling the deal. Something you'd like to share with the rest of us? Your Honor, Elizabeth Nicklin, the victim, died this morning from a ruptured spleen. Because the case now involves a homicide. Homicide! It was an injury sustained in the accident. In light of the new circumstances, the Commonwealth would oh, like shit. to withdraw the plea offer agreement. I hope you can explain yourself. Boo! But we can do this. I know that lawyer from somewhere. All right, so this lawyer who just uh, pulled the deal and took this kid from a couple of months to a murder case is Jessalyn Gilsick, who David E. Kelly fans will, of course, know from her 44 episodes of Boston Public. She was also on Glee, Vikings, Heroes, Nip Tuck, and Young Robin Hood. Add the vehicular homicide to the charges and move forward. You can't be serious. Bond set at 75000 Take him into custody. This is outrageous. Yes, well, given the fact that your client confessed, I suggest you get together with the DA and work out a plea. I need to talk to you. Yeah, I'll be Let's back go. there in a Ms. second. Miss Washington. I'll be there in a second. What the hell? The doctor connects the death with the accident, Beck. It's not like I have much of a choice. Don't you call me Beck. I'll give you five. Five years? That's a deal. Vehicular plus leaving the scene, Swack would pin him with eight. Minimum. He might not even sign off on five. Let's have it recalled. We'll get rid of it. Hmm. Have to talk to my client first.
The offer is now five years. I didn't do it. The doctors evidently can connect the injuries. I didn't hit her. I wasn't driving the car. The car. What are you talking about? Teddy Barrington. He's this big real estate guy. I detail his car. Lisa Gay's he very good. He was drinking. He She's paid me to say that I did it. No, wait, 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 wait a second, Ronnie. I didn't do it, Miss Washington. Somebody else is paying you to take the fall. Yes. How much? 30000 plus 10 for each month I had to serve. But five years? No way. That's I'm not doing money. five years. Ronnie, you signed a confession. But I didn't do it! Okay. Okay. Is there any way we can prove this? Do, do you have an alibi? No. It was late at night and I was home sleeping when he called. If you go to my apartment, look in my closet, you'll find the money. As long as we don't find a nun habit. It's Washington. I wasn't driving that car. This is exactly what you want. Interesting. Get your auto recoil. Now we've Small, got a black market easy to conceal. gun deal going down between person. Eleanor. Yeah, but what about if I drop it? It's not going to go off. Kelly and I'm mixing all me. their names today. How much? <laughs> 650. Eleanor and Lindsay. So Eleanor is buying the black market handgun off the back Look, of a truck. You can't buy this anywhere. It's a van. It's illegal out the back owner, of a van. And they don't give a out van? carry permits. That's insane. Eleanor. This seems so out of character for Eleanor. Lindsay, I think, is a secret Republican. Okay, here. But she, Eleanor, this doesn't seem trouble. right. She's paying in cash. Thanks, Phil. Have a safe she day. She can't buy a gun legally? She stuffed it in her purse. I don't know whether That's we have, to have a gun or a Paul that you can buy them on the street. Well, look at it this way. One less gun to fall into the wrong hands. You know, maybe I should learn how to shoot it. There are plenty of places for that. There's not much kick on it, so it won't be that hard. Have you ever fired yours? Only in target practice. Oh, <laughs> shit! <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, the conversation they were having was batshit. <laughs> As if that wasn't batshit enough, we then pan to see that not but eight feet from them is, I guess, George in his nun, full nun outfit, not even trying to be conspicuous, just stalking them from not even behind anything, just blatantly right next to them, and they don't see him. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Oh. It's like literally like the shape from Halloween. It's Michael Myers. Oh, it sounds a little like a tall tale, Rebecca. Yes, it does. With one exception. Not oh, a bribe. Boxes full of cash. This is evidence. 30,000. He also promised to pay him an extra 10 for each month he spent in jail. No witnesses? No. But I ran Barrington's priors. He has two DUIs. And your client has two cocaine priors. Look, maybe he got this money dealing. He has been straight, sober, and honest for six years. Well, we'll talk to this Barrington guy. Can I be there? Please. Okay. But listen, Rebecca. If I find we're being put through the ringer on this, I'm taking five years off the table and I'm pushing for eight. You think I'm putting you on? I think he might be. If there's anybody I trust, it's Rebecca Washington. No, she a thousand percent has more integrity than everybody else here combined, except for maybe Eugene. 
George? Eleanor, what are you doing with a gun? Never mind. What are you doing? She just bumped into George on the street. Crashing. You were walking with your head down. What are you doing here? Well, I was coming by to say hi, but I'm certainly where does he ditch his nun habit? I'm sorry. You know they fold up with a gun. Our office is being terrorized by some wacko, all just a little jumpy. But a gun? You? Well, I just. What you should be doing is moving, getting out of that apartment. It's a bad neighborhood. Keep taking care of. I'm moving in with Ellen. Thus far, my prediction scans. I mean, Eleanor could be the one who kills George. Still want a gun? He's been terrorizing you. Now she has a gun. It's just. It's a She's already murdered his emotions. How about we get dinner? You can tell me then. Yeah, great. Okay, uh, it would have to be an early one. Uh, Five thirty, let's say. Angelina's. Great. You'll be coming armed. That's cute. Oh snap! I'll see ya. Psychopath burn. Burn. When Ronnie returned the car, I noticed he looked rattled. How do you mean rattled? Nervous, fidgety. So I decided to check the car out before I paid him. And that's when you saw the damage to your car. Yes. And it was at that time that he told me what he had done. I was upset with him at first. He started to cry. Uh, he was very distraught about the James whole situation. James Pickens Jr. is Whose back idea there was as it to call detective. The it was mine. I told him that either now or later, the police were going to have to be told. I also made it very clear that if he voluntarily turned himself in, the DA might be more forgiving. All right, we should do. Mr. Vega had your car. Creepy old guy who clearly killed that lady. Oh, did you fix it, Keith? I did. How does it sound on your end? Like normal. Like normal. I'll tell you what I figured out. If you go into the accessibility uh, settings on your iPhone, you can have it send the signal mono. Well, well, well. Well, well, well. Who's that real estate guy who's paying off the poor bastard who Rebecca's trying to keep from going to jail? It is William Wellman Jr., who uh, did a bunch of things back to 1947, but most importantly, he was a Bajoran officer in the DS9 episode, Favor the Bold. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. No, I stayed at home. Was anyone with you? My wife. Why were you getting your car detailed at night? I typically have it done at night because that's when I'm not using it. Snap. I also go to the car wash at night. All of a sudden, I, I get the feeling I'm the one being investigated. So I can, so I can. Mr. Vega claims that you're paying him $30,000 to take the fall for you. That you hit Elizabeth Nicklin, not him. You're not taking him seriously. I don't know. I don't trust you at all. Yeah. This interview's over. What, you know, Out of a van? What difference does it Jessalyn make? What difference does it make? Yes, it's a 30-day wait in Massachusetts. We got a guy dressing up as a nun side. sending us threats. We're supposed Which to is wait a, a nice month? change That's for the law. ADA. There's a yeah, law for against stabbing yeah. people, too. Oh, please. What? Oh, please. We're lawyers, Lindsay. Members of the bar. That goes for you, too. We don't commit crimes, and you buying that gun off of God knows who? It was a client. It's against the law. You complain every day we're not doing enough to legitimize ourselves. What if you get caught carrying? You could get disbarred. Did you think about that? Did you? Uh, I'm so rarely 100% on Bobby's side, but I definitely am here. That we're engaged doesn't mean I'm not still senior partner. Damn right. Don't speak to me like that in here. Then let's step outside. Play the thirsty bumper. Their their tete-a-tete is turning me on. (laughs) 
I'm upset by every part of this. <laughs> you look like Eleanor in the background here. She's like, Jesus Christ, guys, at work? <laughs> hey, hey. Sit. I don't like the sound of that. Barrington's wife backed him up. Said he was home the whole time. Of course. Well, she what'd did. you expect? She's his wife. Let's talk about what Rebecca's you expect, all over Rebecca. It. Jennifer, say what you have to say. We're pressing forward against Vega. I'm telling you. We have a signed confession. He was paid to give which that. we can't prove. And that is what this is all about, isn't it? The only case you'll be able to prove is against Vega. Why even investigate Barrington? Because with Ronnie's testimony, he represents automatic reasonable doubt. Rebecca. Give him a lie detector. Not admissible, and you know it. But it's accurate. Rebecca. Well. We're going forward against Vega. It comes from above. Unless you're a Joey Herrick, because George Vogelman level and serial And somebody killer. needs to be convicted. That it? She's right. Rebecca de Cricket throwing down some truth. Points to Vega. Now, it's a mixture of things here because that statement on its own, I think, is fair. All the evidence we've gathered points to this guy. We can't just go on the, you know, the hearsay of what other people are saying. The evidence still outweighs. However, the nit to pick there, as Rebecca pointed out, is that they're not even willing to investigate the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's like you have the evidence on the page, but you also have the smell test. Mm -hmm. And so evidence goes one way, smell test goes the other way. And I I like, again, as we said, how they're writing the ADA uh, here because it's clear she's smelling the same thing Rebecca is. And is trying to figure out what to do now. Right, which is a great uh, contrast to what we usually see in Helen. When Helen... <laughs> just has a vendetta against somebody and we does whatever the just... hell she wants. Exactly. Mr. Barrington's wife will provide an alibi. They're moving... Did you see the sign on the wall back there, by the way? It says... No, what did it say? No foul language. No foul language. This is broadcast... This is a broadcast network... In 1999, there will be no fucks from the extras. No, no, no. It's The sign is for the inter interrogation room that they're well, in. Well, yes. Oh, gotcha. I, I was... Before yeah, I was, against you. Yeah. Was, that, Ronnie, was that a joke? Keith? I think we should just try it. You convinced <laughs> wasn't me really set up like a joke one juror we've executed got as a joke. And we can impanel first... I'm decided <laughs> to stick with my confession, Miss Washington. Didn't really pass the sniff test as a joke? Comedian? Evidence doesn't point towards a joke. <laughs> You know, I'm I am I'm, I'm sitting here in a nest me. of wires and woman. cables, none of which are really working. <laughs> I know I'm really just I'm torn between watching the episode, which is very interesting, but also watching you just fumble for the past 45 minutes with wires and trying this, trying that. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a tornado of like unnecessary. You look wires. like Pigpen from the yes, from Peanuts yes. with just it, it, a swirl of audio bullshit around you. It, exactly. <laughs> that be that. Swirl of audio bullshit. Wait a second, you're going back to saying you drove the car? Yes. Well, think about all that money. 10000 per month he serves? 
Yeah, I mean, that's... You had any visitors 120000 a year for five years. Anybody here to see you? Mr. Barrington's attorney came to ask why I was accusing somebody else of doing what I did. How much? How much they offering you this time? You appeal to my conscience. You can't do this. This is a homicide. I don't care how much they're offering you. This will ruin your life. For God's sake, listen to me. My life will be ruined? Do you know the first thing about my life, Miss Washington? My parents were dead when I was nine. I never finished high school. I make about $11,000 a year if I'm lucky. Going to prison may be the best way to prevent me from becoming a criminal. You're a criminal right now if you do what you're talking about. I hit the woman. You have Okay, let's play this out. No joke. Okay, all right. Although the joke is that, is it me or does he sound like if Mike Tyson was from Boston? He definitely, definitely does. Now, getting back to realism. Okay. Quote, unquote. Hard quotes on that. Uh, <laughs> so let's assume, Keith, you make $11,000 a year. <laughs> Assumption <laughs> sustained. Nailed it. Uh, sustained. And you have very few prospects. You're basically uh, not employed often. You're, you got a tough go at it. Not a right. lot of prospects moving forward. And now you're offered, well, it's homicide. So let's, I don't know if it's federal pound me in the ass prison or a, a lighter prison. That's that's a point we have to consider. But what if someone said, well, I'll give you a million dollars or half a million dollars to serve these five years for me? I could certainly understand why it would give him pause, for sure. Which says something very sad and bad about our society. But I do understand where he's coming from. Although, I guess he, it doesn't seem like he could really parse this out, this thought. But let's say he does plead guilty and he takes that mm -hmm. half a million. I mean, if that family comes after him in a civil suit afterwards, he's going to lose all that money right away. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you'd also... If there's more money coming in, you'd have to be a way to track that cash. Right. I mean, I, I would think the feds would be all over that, especially once they know about it. It'd be really dicey to be giving him money at this point. Yeah. Maybe Rebecca shouldn't be appealing to his conscience so much as pointing out some of these You're other- You're not getting this money. Logistical yeah. factors, yeah. I have my confession. What do you expect me to do about it? Well, I want to be let off. A lawyer can't knowingly defraud the court. You don't know anything. You suspect. Your Honor, I know. So what? what a I take you off the is. case, just lies to his next lawyer. He marches in here with some ignoramus, and the court is no better protected against fraud. What'd you call me? Most attorneys wouldn't give a damn anyway. How did you get to be so cynical? I'm not cynical, counsel. I'm annoyed. My day was supposed to end 20 minutes ago. Oh. Forgive me. I'm sure you have a nice bowel movement plan and you want to get to it, give wow. your day snap! Have you been listening to what I'm saying? A kid has been bought off to take a homicide rap in your court. If that doesn't bother you, then don't tell me you're not cynical or jaded or even putrid for that matter. Keith, did you hear that? I What's that? Those brass balls that just hit the floor? Yes, indeed. Thwop. We'll reject the kid's guilty plea. Thank you. He will have a trial, 
whether he likes it or not. And you will be his lawyer. Me? I can't. Yes, you can. I may have to be a witness because of what I heard. I'll decide that as I go along. We impanel in the morning. He'll just fire me. I won't let him. In the interest of justice and non-cynicism, you're the best lawyer for the job. Your Honor. Nine o'clock, counsel. You delay my bowel movement one more second, I'll hold you in contempt. Great scene. Well, and also, so we've had a weird transition for Judge Swackheim here because he just sort of like was a good judge there and working on behalf of the defendant. And the last time we saw him, he was like this weird, quirky, like autistic noise making, like taper of the mouth of the it's. They're clearly trying to transition him out of that like buffoon sort of guy from before because he was making all those noises. I, I regret that noise already. Yeah, that I made. I there's really no way to know this, and uh, maybe if anyone listening has any insight, let us know. Although we have yet to really <clears throat> hear from any legal folks who actually have experience in the legal department. But here's my question: we kn- we see a lot of scenes where the attorneys challenge these judges. And often when they make these bold challenges and appeal to their sense of justice or right and wrong or integrity, they get their way or they at least get the judge to see a different perspective. That was a great example we just saw in that case. But I'm Mm -hmm. wondering in the real world, it seems like the risk-reward is not in your favor to challenge a judge in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I I can't imagine they are as brazen in real life as they are here. Yeah, I wonder what the circumstances would have to be in order for that to actually take place in chambers. You know, this is a little different because everybody knows the, they're old friends with the judges, right? But uh, oh my God, look, Keith, I got a food delivery again. <clears throat> now you've got some lunch there. What uh, is it this time? Scrambled eggs and English muffin with a side of Frank's Red Hot. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Judy Kuhn. Uh-oh. So Jimmy has noticed that they're... He put tape on his door to see if anybody had broken in, and the tape has been broken. Wow, that was smart, Jim. Who needs a gun? He's got old it's spy an skills. Uh, I, I think there's somebody in my apartment. I put a little piece of tape on at lunchtime. It's broken. And you don't have a maid or a super? No, no. Nobody okay, goes so in all here the but cops me. have come in here. And nobody's come out since you arrived. No. Okay, let's go in. Oh crap. There are five guns drawn going into Jimmy's apartment. I'm nervous. Nobody's got a flak vest on, so these are not real cops. Oh, a light just turned off. Somebody's in the bathroom, Keith. Or the bedroom. That room. 
Oh god, what's gonna happen? It's Kittleson. Kittleson? It is Kittleson! Fuck-ass naked! I feel so bad for this relationship. Every time it's looking up for Jimmy, he fucks it up. Let's go. First in on Judge Kittleson. And we totally saw side boob. 90s TV side boob. She's built as hell. I surprise you. You surprised us all. Oh my god. I've never been in that good shape in my entire life. Well, since you're here. Wow. That just happened. Naked, naked. Yes, naked, naked. She was standing there naked nude to surprise me, and they busted in with guns. <laughs> I love that Jimmy well, is He's Not naked much. She gathered her stuff and left. Won't take my coals. We can wait till the end of the week if it's easier. No, it's fine. Eleanor's going to move in with Helen today, so I'll need to sleep at your place tonight. Sounds romantic. Meanwhile, I, I think we should discuss... Second chair, Rebecca. It is time to contemplate He's been here the again. answer to he one of us. God's greatest mysteries. What the hell is Lucy wearing? In a typical Lucy fashion, she does appear to be wearing this odd, uh, looks like sort of Japanese shirt again. She really does enjoy a good cultural appropriation. Well, I mean, she's fashionable. She's very fashionable. I uh, I see some of your tech has blown up. Yeah, it's, that's just going to be that kind of week, isn't it? <laughs> oh my God, what a shit show! He held it. Yeah, he had a certain smell—a cologne. This is it. Wow. No, this is no copycat. It's him. So he picked up. So George, or the nun killer, picked up her notebook, and Lindsay recalls the smell of her stabber. That's uh, that's pretty intense, which I wouldn't necessarily believe, but they say that uh, smell is the strongest thing associated with memory. I don't smell anything. It's him. When we got there, he was crying. The defendant? Yes, he said he'd hit a woman who was crossing the street and that he panicked and drove off. Anybody with him when you arrived? Yes, a Mr. Theodore Barrington, the owner of the car. And were you able to establish Mr. Barrington's connection with all this? Well, basically, the defendant was detailing Mr. Barrington's car. This cop is And when driving it home, the defendant hit the woman. He told Mr. Barrington about it, and evidently Mr. Barrington convinced him to notify us. Did you look into whether Mr. Barrington was driving the car himself? I'm told he was questioned later. My question is, did you look into this possibility? No. Why not? Because the kid confessed to it. Sure Are you aware that the defendant claimed he was paid $30,000 by Mr. Barrington? <laughs> Objection. Overruled. I made that up. Mr. Vega, take your seat. Judge, I told I, I just I said, take to... your seat and close your mouth, or I'll have it taped shut. And if you don't think I'll do it, ask your lawyer. I don't no, want her to be my lawyer. I'll give you one last warning. Look, I just want to plead guilty. Eugene, shutting it down. Okay, Detective Simons, uh, I'll ask you again. And tape over his mouth. Are you aware that my yep. client claimed he was paid $30,000 by Mr. Barrington uh, to say he was it, driving the car? But the audio keeps popping out. 
I was made aware of that this morning, but I was told that the defendant has since retracted the statement. I'm hearing Are your, you aware your food his really well. I was trying to beat that. Mr. Vega was well, you're muting them and Mr. we're hearing just isolated you eating. Thank you, Detective. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> so you Your muted Honor, the show <laughs> and gave us a beautiful <laughs> ISO of you chewing. <laughs> I thought I was being so clever. <laughs> so clever. <laughs> put the mute, absolutely put the mute on the wrong thing. Yeah, all right. I want to do some ASMR of what we got on our end. So, talk, 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 the practice. Boop. <laughs> talk, 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 talk. Oh, I'm so sorry, dear listener. <laughs> you have just been... Oh, we're not even halfway through the episode, and oh, we, we have, have just blown this episode into oblivion. Season four was going so well. It was going great. Um, well, you know, at this point, nobody's listening anymore, so we've clearly lost all of our listeners all right i'm backing up a bit so that you can uh hear what you missed while i was chomp chomp chomping of that at the time i was made aware of that this morning but i was told that the defendant has since retracted the statement are you aware his subsequent retraction came after mr vega was paid a visit to his cell by mr barrington's attorney i was not aware of that no thank you detective that's all your Honor, the Commonwealth calls Ronald Vega. Objection, Your Honor. My client has a Fifth Amendment right not to testify. I think if you remove the tape from Mr. Vega's mouth, you'll learn that he waves that right. Wait, so they taped him up almost under the nostrils? You can barely breathe, that poor kid. Jimmy's visiting Kittleson. What were you thinking? Is that why you came? to compound my humiliation, because believe me, it's not possible. Roberta, I didn't know you and I were speaking romantically, much less... I find it difficult to tell a man I miss him. For whatever reason, it's just easier to show up in his apartment naked. <laughs> my God. How can I ever make eye contact with people again? Oh, you said that when you were on the internet. You got over it. This is much uh, worse. Also, when you I were arrested for murder? There naked. I can't even imagine what people must think. You were giving people erections in the interrogation room. Why do you room? care what they think? You're always saying when you put that robe on, you're a judge. It's so important that everybody think of you as a great judge with integrity. Part of being a good judge is the appearance of dignity. So they walked in on your personal life. That doesn't make you any less dignified professionally. You weren't doing anything illegal. It was a big mistake. And know what they're all talking about, Roberta? Your Don't body. Do it. Hey, oh, how great did it. it is. She responded mm? well. <laughs> Wasn't <laughs> calling you over and over last night just because I felt bad for you. You got me a little worked up. Wow. Not Jimmy happy. took a I big swing there, there the and it worked like because that. men wrote this. I'll be honest. I was shocked. But I was glad to see you. I've missed you too. Oh, but they turned into a sweet beat somehow. Somehow. 
Because could, man wrote this. Could be the oboe. <sighs> a flute. Flute, yes, excuse me. But it does sound like it might be a real flute. Because we got a lot of Emmy budget. Okay. Thanks. That was McGuire. No leads yet, but the fact that he's become bolder like this, they consider him dangerous. You know, not for nothing, guys, but maybe we could get a WeWork for the week or two, you know? While we're sorting yes. this out. Yeah, it might be, yeah. Or, you know, a security guard. Or change the locks. Or all of the above. Jay. Look, I think we should get a guard. Can I talk to you? Oh, thank you, Lucy. Thank you. In my office. What have I done to deserve this? Done absolutely nothing, Bobby. I, I'm getting this because I don't like you buying illegal guns. It doesn't make any you're sense. You're getting this for always judging me. I'm not judging you. Judging me you, when you have absolutely no idea what you're talking the about. Here. What Shut is the hell I should do, Bobby? Yeah. Expect the police to protect us? Go to court, get a restraining order? All murderers stay away one mile radius? Expect you to protect me? Okay, that was personal. You're attacking me. No, you're the again. one who started the attack on me, all right? Don't. What the hell is going on? I've got scars, Bobby. You want to see them? And they still hurt. She's got a point here. She did get stabbed almost to death. Here we go. Look, Lindsay, I, I, I know what you went through. I understand. You know what I went through. If you want. I got stabbed three times. Somebody took a knife and stuck it into me three times. It went through muscle and ligaments and arteries. I was on that floor dying. And you think you know? You know, you, you just, you give me an engagement ring, you think to make it all go away? Will you marry me? That's supposed to just heal everything. I almost died, and you can't bring yourself to talk about it. I need to talk about it. You know, a week later, you're wondering how many people we should invite. We can't pretend it never happened now. Kelly's okay, he's scene. out there. He's back. Yeah. And he's, he's come into this office, and I can smell him, and I can smell him. I can smell him. Great performance. Smell. He smells good. He smell smells good. It's a good scene, though. Great scene. I'm sorry, I just totally ruined it. What you eat something? Little more hungry? Bedroom. Uh, you can leave it right there. Oh, George Vogelman oh. is helping her Two more. Move. George, take a break. Two more, then I'll collapse. What's the dish, Eleanor? No guy carries that many boxes without expecting to get a little something in return. Sorry to disappoint you. Just a friend. Oh, come on. Roommates are supposed to share their little sexual secrets. I sleep with this football player. He comes over with his poodle. Dog likes to lick my toes during. Wow. Just kidding. <laughs> For a second, oh, I felt safer Helen. on the street. You are a male Seriously, fantasy. Eleanor, no guy is interested in being just friends. Not even a loser like George. Shh. Look, the truth is, under these circumstances, it's not the worst thing in the world to have a male friend close by. No, especially one who can cut off heads. Would you shut up? Look, I'm sorry. He's weird, okay? Not as convinced as you are that he's innocent. Will you just unpack? Oh. You're already bossing me around. Shit. Shit, George heard the whole thing. Now look at his face here as we pull in going into commercial. What we have there is the quintessential soap opera ambiguous face mm -hmm. where they they just pan in on you and you have to make a face that is intense and yet ambiguous uh eric my my brother-in-law uh, tells this great story about he was doing 
he he did he did like an arc on one of the soaps. I forget which one. And because they write them so fast, they don't always have plans for things. So he was all right. So we're gonna we're gonna go to commercial with you staring at this photograph. And he's like, okay. So why am I staring at it? Do I like or do I not like? What kind of what do you want here? And just like do something. So he just sort of gives this intense, ambiguous stare. And then they end up writing into the story that he was actually, her. his whole purpose there was to murder that woman. Mm. It all came out of just like he gave a weird look at the, at the, at the picture That's funny. I would say that that particular, particular ambiguous stare that uh, Michael Monks gave as George Vogelman does pour a little bit of cold water on the conspiracy theory that he has split personalities. Because uh, that would have taken, that would have been a perfect opportunity to show the crazy split happening. Well, but but we we might have seen that that sort of ambiguous face was transitioned from one to the other. Mm, I feel like they would have they would have laid it on a little thicker, but I guess That's all true. will be revealed. Thus far, this episode has tended to Mr. lay Mayhem. things on. Under oath, is it your testimony that you struck Elizabeth Nicklin while driving Teddy Barrington's car? Yes. You turned yourself into police. You signed a full confession. Yes. Now, did you tell your attorney that Mr. Barrington paid you for a false confession? Yeah, but I was lying to her. Keith, you know Never what pay me. is Rebecca's only recourse here? I hit the woman, and I'm What's accepting that? responsibility. The good old-fashioned... Ain't no time for plan A, time for plan B. Plan B! So you were just lying to me when you told me you were paid to confess. That's right. And you suddenly changed your story after getting a visit from Mr. Barrington's attorney, didn't you, Ronnie? Yeah, because he appealed to my conscience. Plus, you know, I don't want to be sued for false accusing somebody. I see. Contempt. You first told me he paid you $30,000. And then you told me to go to your apartment. And when I did, sure enough, I found almost $30,000. Your Honor, I have to object. She's giving testimony here. If she's going to be a witness... Let's just get through this. Well, a lawyer can't stand... Overruled. Where'd the 30000 come from? Savings. Savings? <laughs> Ronnie, you made $11,000 a year in your best year. You saved up thirty. Yes. You have an account at Commonwealth Savings Bank totaling $703. Why not put the 30000 in a bank? It was illegal gains. Illegal how? I refuse to answer that on grounds that could incriminate me. But you have a conscience, Ronnie. This and you're of the confessing well mind. Objection. Sustained. When you told me you were being paid to confess, and I was trying to talk you out of doing that, you said I couldn't know you. These are attorney-client communications. These Counsel, are not... you're lucky enough to have a scumball here who's willing to confess. Why don't you sit and be happy with that? You said the 30000 <laughs> plus 10000 for every month you'd spend in jail, that's more money than you'd ever know. You said that going to prison, getting this money might actually prevent you from becoming a criminal. That was all just a lie? Yes. You're lying now, aren't you, Ronnie? No. She's Taking the him. fall for a homicide? I bet you're getting a lot for that. It was me driving the car. Why aren't you looking at me, Ronnie? I look at you, but you're just some ambitious bitch doing I don't know what or why. I guess that's it. I'm just some ambitious bitch standing up here who you're having trouble looking at. Yeah, Rebecca. 
murmur, 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 hubbub, hubbub, rhubarb, rhubarb. Another great scene where Eugene didn't say a word, and they just, but they keep using shots of him because he's acting his ass off. Hey, you sure you don't want to stay for dinner? I'm going to the market. I can get you whatever you like. Thank you, but believe it or not, I actually have plans tonight. Oh, really? You have a hot date? No, I'm going to murder your Are roommate. Are you making fun of me, Eleanor? Oh, shit. Uh, no. Actually, I wasn't. Well, I thank you for the offer, but I do have plans. Well, I thank you for all the help. Uh, you want to walk me out? Sure. Uh, or the snap took place. <laughs> nothing, yeah, nothing creepier about that. This is the See, craziest trial I've ever right. heard of. We have the defendant. Hold on. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing. For the defense, Rebecca Washington. This is the craziest trial I've ever heard of. We have the defendant saying he's guilty while his lawyer says he's not. I've been acting like a witness, offering facts into evidence, and a lot of it has been attorney-client privilege. And all the while, we have your honor up there, taping my client's mouth, calling him scum. We have more ground... Keith, did you see that extra they got for the jury? No, I missed it. He, this is an actor, because this is not the choice. So this is an actor who agreed to uh, be an extra on the episode this week. <clears throat> right. However, you know, they must have cast him a couple days, three days out. He went to the eye doctor, and that eye doctor had to do some sort of surgery or procedure, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then gave him a pair of half sunglasses, half real glasses, yeah, yeah. And he wore it to the taping, and costuming was like, ah, okay. Or maybe this is the ambitious costume. You can make like, your We're going to add later. detail. There. Taping my client's mouth, calling him scum. Oh, yeah. We have <laughs> more grounds for appeals. This you know, when Donna comes counsel, back, she's going to be wearing one of those. You can make your appeals later. Maybe he doesn't care about Ronnie but I bet he cares about the integrity of this room. I hope you care about it. We've heard this close before. Ronald Rebecca. Vega doesn't. He accepted money to be bought off the truth. Not he spits one. on this room. He spits on me. Can't they call that real estate guy as a, as a witness? <sighs> Not if they know he's going to lie. The judge on you? You don't represent me. Mr. Vega. You want to rot in jail for cash, it's not just your business. It's mine, and it's theirs. And I won't be bought off. And I doubt you will be either. Eugene is impressed with Rebecca. took an oath to uphold the law she's crushing and find it. the truth. And we all know the truth here, don't we? Ronald Vega wasn't driving that car. If we can't convict with a confession, then something is definitely wrong with the system. All the evidence, all of it, supports Mr. Vega's confession. A woman is dead here, ladies and gentlemen. 
Ms. Washington may choose to characterize this trial as a farce, but a human life was lost. And we have an admission from the man responsible. If you were to acquit on the basis of the defense counsel's opinion, wow. That is true. Then we would have a farce. Wouldn't we? I don't know, girl. I think we have a good enough performance to be cast as a lead on the uh, spinoff coming up soon. She's got that uh, cholesterol. Uh, cl- uh, I still have a lot of work to do. High cholesterol. Well, I'm not leaving you here alone. I have a gun, remember? Lindsay. I'm sorry. You just seemed to recover so fast it didn't occur to me. What should have been so obvious? I'm okay, Bobby. No. No, you're not. We're not going to make that mistake again and just assume you're okay. You were almost killed. It's going to take a long time before that trauma goes away. At least a season. Half a season. You're right. I I was just happy to move forward and pretend it was all behind us. That's what I do. I like to believe everything's okay. But I can't do that here. Okay, Dylan. Better play that clarinet. I am so sorry. That's from The Little Mermaid. You wouldn't know it, but... Part of your world. Sorry, Keith, I'm engrossed in... Wonderful scenes between two wonderful actors. Him still being out there. I'll get a snack. Just brings it all back. I just keep thinking. What if he's caught ever? He goes to trial. He ain't getting caught. He's getting shot. I have to testify. I don't think I could handle it. It has to happen this week, right? Like, George... It was just so much easier. just so threatening towards Eleanor. With him being dead? Not much time left. I just want him dead. Ooh. That's bold. Lindsay's always been a little bit bloodthirsty. Although I'd understand under the circumstances. If she only knew about the dead babies... The jury has reached its verdict. We have, Your Honor. The defendant will please rise. What's gonna happen? There's a ceiling fan, we missed it. Ceiling I'll say fan. you, Madam Fourperson. Commonwealth versus Ronald Vega on count one, vehicular homicide, and count two, leaving the scene of an accident. We, the jury, find the defendant, Ronald Vega, not guilty. Ooh, Rebecca! Members of the jury, we thank you. You're free to go, as is the defendant. We are adjourned. Do they prosecute the other guy now, or it's just the lady's death is in vain? Tough to say. This is a pattern with me. I get them off, they never say thank you. Ms. Washington, the court thanks you. Wow. Wait, so all of a sudden, Swackheim is a good guy? You see guy? just shot me? What was that? Have you watched this show, Keith? Well deserved. I, I've seen Come on. Yeah. I'm by your dad. 
but I'm I'm always making comments from the point of view of our listeners. Oh, we've got a psycho scene. We've got a shower. I found the spinach angel hair pasta. I got all the ingredients. Hello? Oh, boy. Helen! 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 Oh, my God. Helen is in the tub. Phone line's been cut. Oh shit, we're in full Halloween territory. Oh, he's there! He's there! In the habit! I changed my mind about dinner. But I think Helen's too dead tired to cook. Is Helen dead? It's you. Susan Robin. Lindsay? This is a tough scene to play. had to work late that night, remember Eleanor? I had theater tickets. You said you'd be in the office till at least nine, but when I went there, I found Lindsay. Why did you? He's monologuing. Poor <laughs> Helen. Helen's not dead. She just inhaled a little chloroform. Okay, she's not dead. Sometimes I like to simulate death. When she wakes, she'll find you. He looks ridiculous. You came to kill me. Yeah, you know how many times you've killed me? Think you can reach that gun? Think you can use that gun to kill me, Eleanor? Well, Mike did predict that, so... Let me make it easier for you. Oh, he's giving her the purse with the gun in it. He's wearing sensible heels. I would love to go out that way. With you pulling the trigger... Go ahead, Eleanor. Oh, he's got a knife! Put your gun. Go ahead. Shoot me. Be doing me a she's favor, got the gun. wouldn't she's you? She's got the gun. Putting me out of my miserable, pathetic existence. What you don't know about me is that I would. I will shoot you. Then do it. I'll make you oh, do Cameron it. Cameron looks so badass. I'll kill you unless you kill me. George? Do it! Don't come any closer! Shoot me, Eleanor! Don't make me pull the trigger! Don't make me do it! You're gonna have to do it, Eleanor. You're gonna have to be the executioner. Ooh, this is interesting. George, put the knife down and we're gonna talk about it. Just put it down. Wow! They were blanks, Keith. They were blanks. Oh, Michael no, Myers is speaking up. George is up. Michael Myers is sitting God. up. Hey, hey, it's me. Helen. Helen. Open up. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor McRambo. Yes. Oh, and he locked the door, too. He thought of everything. I'm feeling better. I could even dance. Helen's gonna save the day. Hoped for. Come on, Helen. I told you I love to simulate it. I put blanks in your little gun earlier. 
Or did Kelly, did Lindsay forget something at you the apartment? You didn't really think I wanted to be killed by you, did you? Though I did want to see if you'd do it. George, please. If you're psychotic or whatever, you obviously need help and I can help you. You just shot me. Now you want to help me. That's fair. You have an insanity defense for everything you've done. Well then, I'll also have one for what I'm about to do. Please. Bad boyfriend. Wouldn't that have gone through him? I think so. Yeah! <laughs> oh, Helen Gamble is cold-blooded. Cold-blooded, fully naked. Oh, I nailed Shut this up. on the Keith, I did not watch this episode. I, I I'm going to interrogate you when this is done. Boom! Now, there is so much therapy that has to take place after this episode. Oh my, I'm gonna need therapy after this episode. I mean, the bill's gonna get thick. Lindsay, Eleanor, Helen, although Helen doesn't seem too stressed out by the whole thing. No, because she's a sociopath. She recovered from that chloroform very quickly and there was no sort of ramp up. She was laser focused. Laser focus, holy moly. All right, we have some work to do. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What wow. the hell are the oopsies? Oh, sorry. Uh-uh. Yeah, all right. Well, let's let's do the easy one. Most I mean, it's Rebecca. Rebecca. Huh? Yeah. No, she crushed it. Easy peasy. She she was able to uh, get a guy off for murder by plan being him, his her own client. Uh, yeah, Rebecca, she did a terrific job throughout this whole thing. I thought she did. Uh, way to go, Rebecca. All right, now. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Watch first entry on your IMDb. Way, way to go. go. You're the best guest you are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Okay, best guest actor. Well, I mean, I have a couple thoughts. So, okay. Number one, I let's not forget uh, Judge Kittleson here. Um, she uh why can't why is there why am I blanking on the name here? I'm not helping Hall, you. Hall, she, Hall she won Taylor. an Emmy Hall for the Taylor. show. Um, my whole everything's off the rails. Holland Taylor, she's not in much of the episode, but she really uh lays it all out there. And I <laughs> I want to just 
commend that. Yes. I think we have to... Michael Monks was giving a Herculean task. I I don't think when he signed on, they told him he was going to be a sociopath who would be getting murdered in his final scene. (laughs) Dressed as a nun, dancing and hopping with glee. In heels. In heels as he tried to murder two of our main cast members. And I would be lying if I said that that last, that entire last sequence was more schlock than it was suspense. (laughs) Really not executed with the deft hand that, uh, the deaf hand that uh, (laughs) we've come to expect. But it was a big swing and he did, and he, I mean, he did everything he could do. He played both sides of the Vogelman two-face very well. So I think on his exit, a final round of applause and a final oopsie for Michael Monks. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think so, too. I'll throw out a, a uh, honorable mention to Stephen Kozlowski, who I thought did a good job um, in the, the role of the kid. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this was a... I mean, boy, you have a lot to... You're being asked to do a lot. You're asked to take this like sympathetic nerd, and then, as of about six weeks ago, now you're a crazy Machiavellian sociopath with... And I don't think that there is uh, anything there that disproves uh, Phoenix's theory that he had multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity disorder uh, because his behavior is so fundamentally different that maybe the when his feelings are hurt, it triggers him into this this power creature that makes him feel better. Yes, I in fact I would say despite my earlier uh what I thought was the last we were going to see of it uh I think that there's more evidence to prove his point than there is to counteract it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think at this point I'm going to declare it true. Yeah, I think that's fair. In fact, you win, you know, the oopsie actually. <laughs> it's a splitsie. It's going to go to Michael Monks and Phoenix and Phoenix Cage. Yes. All right. So, yeah, George Vogelman definitely suffered from dissociative identity disorder. Congratulations. Okay. So, next up. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. This one is tough. It's very tough. I'm going to narrow it down. Uh, I think there was a lot of great acting from everybody. I thought Eleanor did a lot of acting. Really good work to give a non-schlocky performance in a pretty schlocky scene. Uh, Not entirely successful. I thought she did great. I thought she did great, but that was a tall hurdle to jump. But I thought I thought that Lisa Gay was great in this episode. Just dynamite. Uh, but I also thought Kelly Williams was gave one of her best scenes of the whole series. Yeah, I mean the female cast this episode crushed it. Yes, and so those would be my two my two choices. I think I'm going to give it to Kelly Williams this week, and only because I felt that, and this is no fault of Lisa Gay, is that. 
The beats she touched on this week are beats we've seen before. Okay, yeah. You know, that 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 closing, which was excellent, and every scene she had with her client really was consolidated into that closing, and we've seen that closing recently before. And so because we got to see Kelly play the range of emotions associated with psychological trauma and then had that outburst scene with Bobby that had some so many different colors, I have to give it to her. Yeah, and I I think, you know, realistically showing some PTSD there. Yeah, for sure. Both of her dis- decision-making and her reactions to situations like that. Yeah, I mean, I think were this a normal episode, I think it would go to Lisa Gay. But this th- this Bananas episode really gave Kelly Williams a chance to shine. And so, yeah, I agree. Kelly Williams, you are our best actor. For this episode, coming up next... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. This week, the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady, I'll keep it concise, goes to... No, I object. I will declare the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady this week. Okay. And in honor of... Tom Brady slash Cloud Lover 69. The Tom Brady Award uh, for being Tom Brady goes to Sports Ball the Segment. Oh, that no. Tom Brady has to get it. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He, Cloud Lover 69's won before. Oh, has he? He has. I was going to give it to Bosom Buddies starring Tom Brady and Gronkowski as they've reteamed again in Tampa Bay. I can't wait for that next week. Okay. But sports ball wins okay. because it's going to piss everyone off. All right. You're entitled to one here and there. <laughs> I want to quickly backtrack. And when we were talking about the ensemble during uh, the best actor. I'll, yeah. Actually, I'll talk about it in the in the tires. All me. right. You mean these tires? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce In this episode, we had a lot of reacting taking place. A scary scenario is built up or some tension, and you have to react to it, like Jimmy reacting to the fingerprints on his door, or the tape on his door, or... Uh, or a fully nude Kittleson in his bedroom. Yes, or uh, Kelly Williams reacting to the smell of the notepad, and and then Eleanor reacting to all kinds of batshit stuff in that last scene. To varying levels of success. One thing that was quickly overlooked, you know who I think actually was the most successful this week? And Mm. I wanted to give a shout out to is uh, Marla Sokolov, who in that opening scene built such great tension with the, when she found the- the When she was Nancy Drusy. When she was Nancy Drusy on the floor. It sort of got undercut by the weird Bobby scary entrance. Right, right. But I thought- She's so excellent. She's like she reminds me of Steve Harris in that even in the scenes where they're just on the periphery, they're still working and it's still noticeable. Yeah. That said, let's talk about the episode. You sir. know I love a batshit crazy episode. For some reason, Keith, that last scene, it just felt the schlock, which I generally enjoy, just felt like an impossible ask because the George Vogelman arc has been so crazy. Even me, I was sort of over it to the point where it's like, we got to get through it this week. It's got to be over this week. 
and it just didn't it, the ending was was batshit but it just feel felt like it didn't live up i wanted him to be crazier i wanted it to be more frenetic i needed more it just i felt a little i just felt a little underwhelmed i have to say it so i'm giving it a 7.5 spare tires that's still a pretty high spare tire. I still thought it was an excellent case. I thought the B story was was really good with 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 Rebecca, and I thought that we're still moving chess pieces along. I love that the show has found its pace, and that the meta arc is moving. The the move in took place. Bobby and uh, Kelly's. Oh my god, I'm just mixing them like they're real people now. <laughs> they're Bob, all real. Bobby and Lindsay's relationship has some issues now. You know, sometimes once the guy gets the girl. It, it gets weird, like moonlighting, and there's no more any tension there, but there's still stuff happening here. Uh, we know what's happening. Jimmy's love life got re got reassessed. I like that the meta story is moving, so I still loved it. I wanted it to be a nine, but it's a seven and a half. Yeah, fair enough. I have been trying to figure out what to do with this episode since I saw it. And because is it good is it bad <laughs> is what show is this it's yeah it's a different show this is a different it tried to be like three shows and and it's like i i just i mean it we needed some sort of a batshit result to vogelman obviously and we got it and i i really liked everybody's performance i thought the a to b to c of it was good was good i didn't i mean i i didn't find it in another show it wouldn't be that schlocky i just it i, I you know because i've been trying to figure out what to say like it doesn't feel like the practice to me but i think there might just be some it's not the practice that i like best because clearly this is part of the practice. So we have Bobby throwing people out of a window. You have, uh, you know, all sorts of things happening in these bonkers finales. And I just, it didn't feel like the practice, but it was the practice. And I enjoy, like, I enjoyed it. I definitely like watch it. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. It's, it's not where it's not my favorite part. You shouldn't be laughing at it though. And we were la I was laughing at it. And the other thing that didn't help, which I find it to be a bit lazy, I guess. Look, we commented on it, and as well as um, Phoenix had commented on it, that they totally retconned George, and they absolutely wrote themselves into a corner with him. There was really only one way out, it seemed. I mean, that's why I made that guess. Also, throughout the episode, they were so heavy-handed with it, up to even to the point where uh, Lindsay says to Bobby, I just want him dead, like five minutes before the scene where he gets shot. Yeah, they did the whole thing with let's get the black market gun, 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 gun. It's so out of character for you to have a gun. I just want to have a gun. Maybe I should learn to shoot the gun. The only twist they did was having her fake shoot him and then have right. Helen come out and do it. So I just feel like they could have if they were going to have a crazy batshit finale, they there could have been something more clever. Well, I, I, I you know, that maybe might be what I'm reacting to. I need better answers. As to why is George in a nun's habit? Like, like why the nun thing? Right. Because we don't, you know, there was an unrelated case that involved a nun, but it wasn't really, had nothing to do with George. 
So why is he doing that? What is what is that all about? It just and also George George's psychology. If he is dealing with dissociative identity disorder, I want to know more about that. That's, I want that that's to be clear. Yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, it's obviously like a TV trope, but there's a way. David E. Kelly is a good enough writer to do that in an interesting and, and less schlocky way. So I just like I, I I'm str- I'm struggling to give tires because on the whole, I would give it like seven tires, but I also like I don't want to I don't want to like give the numerical sense that this is just like an average normal episode because it is definitely not that. Mm-hmm. So uh Whatever. I'm going to give it six and a half tires. Okay. That's not a great average for us. Not a great average for us. I don't know. I, I like. I, 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 sometimes I want to give it nine. Sometimes I want to give you it four. You know what? We're going to give so it that. Give I guess it, it averages out to about a seven. Uh, and we're going to put an asterisk there so that we can still revisit it come end of the season. Okay. All right. I'll buy that. All right, so the last thing I want to do but before I you, we, we mercifully but, go. But, but I will say, I also enjoy that it moves this crazy villain out of the picture so that when Joey returns, there's no competition. Right, 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 right. And, and you, know, th- you know what this feels like? They, David E. Kelly planned a crazy Joey Herrick uh, thing throughout, throughout the first part of the season that this... This Vogelman's serial killer arc was going to be Joey Herrick, but they couldn't get Larrakat. Larrakat was booked, so they just gave it to George. It, yeah, it definitely feels... That, that's that really not, feels like what happened there. That feels good. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the last question is, how the fuck did you make all of those correct guesses? Had you seen this? Were you... Had you looked up that this and saw this was Michael Monk's last episode? Nope. I saw that uh, in the previously on, the first thing they touched on was Michael Monk's. And I'm like, this is the first three episodes of this season have all been Michael Monk's. And I, I just felt it was too too much. It was time for it to come to a close. And the only way they could get, they've already tried him. Like he's been in court. They've defended him twice. Right. I, right. So I didn't see it going to court. And so I was like, oh, someone's going to kill him. I, th- I, okay actually would have thought it was Eleanor, so I'm at least glad that they flipped that for me. Yeah, okay, well... But now, really, wait, uh, we haven't even discussed. Now we have to add that to Helen's murder sheet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, That's this is now like the third person she is directly responsible for killing in You screenshotted her face, right? Because her murder face is the perfect oh, yeah. portrayal of Helen Gamble. No, Helen Gamble is now the most prolific serial killer on the series. <laughs> Completely. All right, guys. Do you know it what's is... not prolific? This podcast. No, we are too prolific. Let's. We need to be much less prolific. Let's apologize before he rolls this. Sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll do but my best have... to fix it, but... Nobody in the world is still listening. I promise you. All right. If anybody is still listening right now, email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com and we will give you a shout out. In fact, we will plug anything you want to plug. Okay. Email us outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us you're still listening and what you want us to plug and we will fucking plug it at the top of the show. So look forward to next week to us not having to do that. 
Yeah, we're gonna have. Well, yeah, maybe there's a an honorable an honorable mention. Oopsie in your in store next week for sitting through <laughs> such a shitty technical podcast. Oh my god, that was that was crazy. Well, you know, we matched the show. That's true. Hey, I'm gonna leave it in the show notes again this week, but it was Earth Day, and uh, I was on a track that got released, and so I'm gonna leave the track. Uh, in our show notes, so you can click the link and listen to it uh, in case you don't have the dollars to donate. You can also donate to the podcast. Clearly, we're using it to fix all of our technical stuff, and it's going well, so your money's going towards uh, good Ugh, stuff. Bad, bad money after bad, guys. But you know what you can buy with money? Laser sounds. Laser sounds. Let's get out of here. Oh, my lord. I need a beer. Thank you.